The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 315, powered by Rageworks, broadcasting live Thursday, September 17th, 2015. I'm your host, Rich, and our call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number, 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning into My Take Radio, My Take Radio is a variety show covering mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, gaming, and entertainment we broadcast live twice a week wednesday nights at 11 p.m eastern 8 p.m pacific we break down all the latest happenings in the worlds of mma and wrestling and of course on thursday nights we jump into gaming and entertainment if this is your first time tuning in and want to participate in the show you can go to rageworks.net forward slash live or mtrlive.com which will take you to the live page you'll get the live video stream You can participate in the live chat, plus there is a high-quality audio stream courtesy of Mixler. Archived episodes of the show are usually available within 24 to 48 hours of broadcasting, both for audio and video. Obviously, editing and other time constraints play a factor, but we try to shoot for 24 to 48 hours. Um, Archived episodes, of course, you can find them on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio for audio versions. Our video versions are available on both our two YouTube channels, My Take Radio TV and Official Rageworks, and we are starting to put our shows on Daily Motion. We're going to start putting those links in the show notes as well for you guys to be able to check out archived episodes of the show. We are simulcasting on a couple of other services right now for our video feed, uh, StreamUp, Vaughn Live, Twitch, and YouTube Live. And I invite all of you that are tuning in via those services, if possible, to join us at mtrlive.com, jump in the chat room, and participate in the show that way. As I mentioned yesterday, I'm starting to fi- I was starting to, it was starting to be brought to my attention that these other services are starting to stream the shows when we go live. And the beauty of it is, if you are using a set-top box or one of your consoles, you can use either the Twitch app or the YouTube app punch in my take radio well punch in rageworks on youtube and you'll be able to watch the live feed there or of course go on twitch's app and 
punch in RageWorks TV there, and you'll be able to see the video feeds on Twitch. All right, so lots on deck for this evening. Before we jump into it, I want to get into a little bit of housekeeping first. Um, a couple of things. Uh, we are still doing our Guardians of the Galaxy box set contest. We are giving away a Marvel Legends Guardians of the Galaxy box set in partnership with our friends at Entertainment Earth. Uh, you got four ways to enter, either via the site and, of course, three ways via social media on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, the rules are simple. You can head over to RageWorks.net slash contests, and the first entry there, of course, will be the Guardians of the Galaxy contest. We also have a contest giving away a Blu-ray box set of either Season 2 of the Originals or Season 6 of The Vampire Diaries. So we are giving that away as well. We have another contest in the works, which we're going to launch after we announce the winners for this current contest. Again, for those of you that are interested in that, the details can be found at RageWorks.net forward slash contests. All right, so... Aside from the contest and all the content that we have going on at RageWorks.net, I know a couple of people have been asking with regards to uh, writing for us. Some people have asked. And, of course, just other ways to assist and help the show. And the people that are reaching out, I'm not, you know, I don't, I'm not giving those people any, any grief, uh, primarily because they um, are coming into the fray, so to speak, just helping people you know, wanting to be helpful and wanting to participate. And I have no problem with that. Um, but for those of you that are interested in writing for us and have expressed interest, uh, send me a sample of your work, uh, rich at rageworks.net. If you are familiar with WordPress, if you are able to self edit and have just a, a basic grasp of, of good grammar, by all means, feel free to send your samples in. Definitely would love to check them out. Also, uh, for those of you, as I mentioned, that want to help out or want to see the show grow, I know some of you have asked me about the Patreon, and as I mentioned in previous episodes, you may have missed it. I'm not, I'm not going to chastise you if you didn't know. Uh, we have not proceeded with the Patreon only because the first time we attempted to do it, it just, it just did not go according to plan. I know some people were asking about the um, possibility of a setting up a donation button, which is, which is weird. I, I, don't, I don't really know how I feel about that. But, um, you know, we're going to try and do some different stuff. I know some of you have asked about the T-shirts. I mean, the My Take Radio T-shirt store is still open for that. But we're going to try and start doing a couple of different designs, a couple of different things, borrowing stuff that we discuss on air or things that have been created on air that people like. And hopefully we will be able to branch that out and do something cool. Uh, for those of you in the New York area that I've reached out to with the intention of creating a new media slash podcast creators meetup, those of you that have expressed interest, uh, rest assured, I have not swept that under the rug, just trying to get all the details together, choose a location, figure out who would be involved, what would be discussed, and what would come out of it. It's just not going to be a session for people to exchange business cards and pretty and and just do the really shitty version of networking which obviously in in 2015 we're we're so past that. I mean it's cool everybody exchanges business cards but if you can't have genuine conversations and interactions I don't want to do it. 
So for those, like I said, that I've reached out to with the framework for that event, I have not shelved it. I still want to do it. Just um, trying to get everything in order. All right. So we got lots of gaming news on deck. We got a fair amount of entertainment news. Uh, We're going to talk about some of the stuff from Tokyo Game Show. I'm actually going to try and share some recent trailers of stuff that I got. Hopefully the YouTube gods won't be too upset. I know I know that sometimes they're not happy when I share trailers, so we're going to see how I how I implement that without getting myself into some trouble. But um, nonetheless, that pretty much clears up all the housekeeping for this week. So let us switch gears and jump into this week's gaming news. All right, so I want to get the ball rolling with some DLC news. I know a lot of people were very excited about Battlefield Hardline when it came out. Um, I know a couple of people that are still playing it on and off and may have put it to the side in lieu, obviously, of Madden and other games that have been since released. But there is some DLC coming to you guys. It's going to be the Hardline Robbery DLC. The DLC pack is... Uh, it launched on September 6th for premium members, but all other players will be able to access it pretty much within the next few days. I, th- I believe that the premium guys got it the 6th, and the non-premium members were getting it this week. Uh, that's that's pretty much what the email I received said, uh, but there wasn't a firm release date other than this month in September, but I've been hearing... Uh, via social media that it would be this week uh slick if you could do me a favor and check to see if the robbery dlc for battlefield hardline has a release date for non-premium members because clearly somebody omitted that in the email i received today in any case the full listing for the dlc pack includes four maps the docks breakpoint museum and precinct seven you're also getting a new five versus five game mode called squad heist you got four new weapons two new gadgets two new factional vehicles and vehicle upgrades plus new camo and a legendary super feature. So feel free to dust off that copy of Battlefield Hardline and take advantage of this DLC. And if you are a premium member, you're pretty much laughing at everybody that is not. But nonetheless, for those of you that saved a couple of bucks and opted to not go premium, by all means, feel free to check it out. Thank you, Slick. Slick uh, got that info for me so I can share it with you guys. The Robbery DLC is available on September 30th for non-premium members. So there you have it. Non-premium members will be able to jump into that on September 30th. Thank you, Slick, for the assist. In some PC gaming news, and I don't talk about this often, but PC gaming, certain titles, just they, they have some fanfare and some... They they have a lot of a lot of um, of presence. World of Warcraft is one, and another one, of course, is StarCraft. Blizzard officially announced that StarCraft Two: Legacy of the Void is scheduled to be released November tenth. Uh, the Legacy of the Void marks the conclusion of the story that first began in StarCraft in nineteen ninety eight. You're getting obviously a whole bunch of new campaign materials brand new characters, and a slew of other features. I know the last time that there was an upgrade for StarCraft, people went fucking bananas. Um, 
Players who pre-order the Legacy of the Void for $39.99 on Battle.net will receive immediate access to the Whispers of Oblivion prologue missions. And, of course, anyone who purchases or pre-orders Legacy of the Void will also receive an upcoming hero in Blizzard's free-to-play team brawler, Heroes of the Storm in Artanis. So there you have it. If you are a PC gamer and are a fan of StarCraft, then you will be getting a brand-new expansion on November 10th. So I have a feeling that that game is going to sell a shit ton of copies as usual and will once again remind us that the PC Master Race still has a strong footprint when it comes to gaming. I got a brand new email from 2K regarding the final roster listing for WWE 2K16. We got a lot of familiar names in there, um, and of course a couple of NXT superstars as well, including Baron Corbin. We also got the New Day's Big E, Bray Wyatt, the late flying Brian Pillman, which is probably going to be one of the guys I end up using in the game first and foremost. Colin Cassidy, Enzo Amore, Jay Uso, Jimmy Uso, of course, Kofi Kingston, not a shocker there. Connor, Mark Henry, Mikey Whipwreck, which is pretty fucking cool. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Rusev, Savio Vega. Now, for those of you that are curious about Mikey Whipwreck's involvement in Savio Vega, you have to remember that the store, the main story this year focuses on Stone Cold Steve Austin and the Austin 316 era, and all those individuals were part of it in some capacity. You're also going to get Stephanie McMahon Helmsley. You're going to get the 1999 Crow Sting. You're going to get the Surfer Bleach Blonde version of Sting. You're going to get, which is insane, stunning Steve Austin, um, to of course, to use alongside Flying Brian Pillman in their tag team, the Hollywood Blondes. Uh, the Undertaker, the American Badass version, the Ministry Undertaker, Victor, of course, the other half of the Ascension, and Xavier Woods. So you get the Ascension, you get the New Day, you get a lot of guys that were part of Stone Cold Steve Austin's career, and a couple of NXT standouts. As I said last week, the roster update, the roster slots being taken up by what's essentially the same character just with different attire or different music is, is pointless to me. And, you know, I gave my thoughts on that last week, so make sure to check out last week's episode if you want to hear that. I will say that including Brian Pillman is really cool. He was a big part of Stone Cold Steve Austin's career in the early going. Like I said, they were part of the Hollywood Blondes. There was the infamous Stone Cold Steve Austin with the shotgun breaking into Brian Pillman's house before Raw went off the air. Being a teenage kid seeing that, you're like, holy shit, he shot Brian Pillman. It was it was tremendous. So a lot of really great moments. Uh, the strap match with Savio Vega, another iconic moment in Stone Cold Steve Austin's career. Uh, really cool to see some of those characters in there, like I said. The, the, the palette swaps, you know, Surfer Sting, Crow Sting, uh, American Badass Undertaker, stuff like that. You guys know my thoughts. Not a fan, but I am happy to see a lot more of the a lot of NXT standouts get top billing in there, including Baron Corbin, as I said, uh, Cassidy and Enzo Amore, which I'm going to see if I can share their entrance because the thing about them is that they really spared no expense. Uh, let me see if I can share that with you guys because it, it really was pretty damn cool. Check this out.
graphics look dope. Graphics are insane. And voice work. And this right here, this is Big Cash, and he's seven foot tall, and you can't teach that. Bada boom, realest guys in a room. How you doing? Not bad. That's not it, though. They they, they do the whole promo. crowd looks a lot better this year as you can see and um like i said graphics really well done mocap is on point hair still needs a little work with the long-haired wrestlers but it's not terrible so-called opponents tonight we have one word to describe them and i'm gonna spell it out for you not bad Not bad. I was I was thoroughly impressed, as I said, with um, how they did it. For for me, I um I really felt that the the voice work again, such a subtle thing, such a little thing that a lot of people don't focus on, but it really is important in the overall presentation. I really liked it. I thought it was it was incredible. Like I said, the long hair is always going to be an issue. I think. We're, we're getting closer to realistic long hair, but in wrestling games, it's always something that many of us have a couple of laughs about. And overall, like I said, I'm looking forward to 2K16, whether 2K sends it to, sends it to us or to me, or I purchase it and review it for you guys. You guys can, you guys are guaranteed a review for that game because it's, it's one of those things. I mean, it bridges the gap between all our, all our fans, those that love gaming and, of course, those that love wrestling. I'm looking forward to it. October 27th is your target date for that. Um, again, keep it locked to RageWorks.net for a review when it hits stores. For those of you that are looking forward to the next Assassin's Creed, of course, they released a trailer for brand new DLC focusing on Jack the Ripper. This DLC is going to take place 20 years after the game's story, and... Um, my issue, again, is that with the Assassin's Creed mythology and the way that it's laid out, they, they really could spend more time expanding the, the replay value of the game, just expanding the story instead of giving us a, a, a decently long story, but then nickel and diming us with DLC. Because what ends up happening is those games end up being released later on with all that DLC in there. so And most people just don't opt to do it. I mean, I know a couple of guys that purchased the DLC from the last game, but it was very, very few. And the only reason they did was because the, the you know, they had extra, you know, points, Xbox points. Well, they had extra money, I should say, in their Xbox Live accounts to purchase that. And they enjoyed the DLC, but overall they did feel they were being taken for a ride. I... I love the Assassin's Creed games. I've played every one of them. I love the story, the stories that are that are you know put together. I, I do have my issues, obviously, with the way it ended for um, Desmond's character, but that's a separate issue. I also have uh, a couple of gripes with how they ended Part Three, 
but overall the games have always impressed me because there's certain things that they really they re- they went to great lengths to showcase. Obviously, Ubisoft has had its share of mishaps as well, including uh, all the bugs in the last Assassin's Creed game. But when I finally got around to playing it, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I am looking forward to Assassin's Creed Syndicate, and I'm hoping that it's a return to form for the series and really just takes it in a brand new direction. We'll see what happens. Assassin's Creed Syndicate hits stores um, October 23rd. You'll get it on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. Man, what the hell fell in my my eyeball? Christ. (laughs) Anyway, I did... You know, it's, it's funny you mentioned that. Slick says, not feeling these multiplayer Assassin's Creed games. You know, I played Brotherhood, and I understood where it fit in the grand scheme of things, but... I do kind of agree with you. Not that I don't feel the, the the multiplayer Assassin's Creed games, but I just feel that you can enjoy the games without it. It almost feels like something that was forced in there, kind of like what they did with multiplayer on Uncharted, where the stuff is there and it was fine, but it was not necessary. Slick ads, I, I just feel that the story calls for them to act on their own. I agree. I think that the single-player narrative the campaign in that in that respect benefits from just you being immersed completely now if they do want to add multiplayer elements that's fine but i do agree it's not it's not a make or break for the series and forcing it in there for the sake of you know just getting some extra people to purchase the game is not necessary again that's just that's just where i stand in that regard I did want to talk a little bit about Nintendo and the amazing, amazing statistic going on with Super Mario Maker. When I saw Super Mario Maker originally get announced, I said to myself, this is ridiculous. It, it, it was just, a, I felt like it was an attempt at level creation on par with Excitebike. And um, I, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest when I say it, I was like, oh, this is such a bullshit cash grab. And... To many people, it is. As I saw some of the creativity that was out there, my stance softened a bit. Not a lot, but I saw that there was just a lot of really cool, innovative, and creative minds out there putting cool shit. Uh, putting out cool shit. I mean, when I played Little Big Planet, I think I played more user created games than the main campaign for a long time. And it was one of those high points for me because I got to see some of the originality, some of the fun that people were having. And um, with Super Mario Maker, people have been cranking out levels left and right. Um, Patrick Scott Patterson, many of you may know him in the industry as PSP, has put out a ton of levels, a ton of levels for Super Mario Maker. And um, as a matter of fact, he is a guy that we are slated to have on the show in the future we're working on hopefully securing him as a guest if we do we'll definitely let you guys know about that but um super mario maker according to nintendo's twitter japanese twitter account the company claims that over 1 million user created courses have been uploaded and shared with by users worldwide that's a that's an awesome statistic for a game that at first glance just just looked like a like a glorified cash grab and the thing is, it is, you know, I'm not I'm not going to I'm not going to soften that, but just seeing some of the creativity from so many people, it 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 makes it a fun game to at least want to check out. 
Uh, it's not a game that I personally would purchase, but I definitely did add it to my to my Gamefly queue to check it out. But there are some really good levels out there. Feel free to check it out on YouTube if you're curious about some of the levels. So I've I've seen some cool stuff, man. A lot of stuff with the uh, with the Bowser clown ship and a lot of really crazy levels that'll test your patience. And the cool thing is, obviously, you can share it for other people to play. And I've been seeing a lot of people on my timeline sharing Mario Maker levels. But again, very awesome statistic for Nintendo. One million user-created levels have been uploaded and shared. So props to those guys, that's for sure. So if you guys have been listening to My Take Radio since the early going, you guys know that I love fighting games. Huge fan of fighting games. I got all kinds of fighting games, primarily Street Fighter. Street Fighter is my crack. Love Street Fighter. It's my vice. I love all the characters in the series. I've, I have own pretty much every game, excluding Fighting Street and um, Street Fighter 2020 on Nintendo. But everything else, Street Fighter 2, Super Street Fighter 2, Turbo, Hyper Fighting, all the alpha games, all that shit, I own all that stuff. And... Um, Another series that gets a lot of my money, aside from Street Fighter, is the, and most of you may know about this series, the King of Fighters series, which I picked up the last game. I remember Slick came by the house to check it out, and they did a really good job with the 2D sprites, really impressed me. And I said to myself, you know, if they continue this route, King of Fighters could definitely be a viable alternative for those of us that maybe you're tired of playing Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat. Well, Tokyo Game Show is going on, and of course there's tons of news coming out of there, including some Street Fighter news I'll share later on in the segment. But SNK announced a brand new King of Fighters, the King of Fighters 14, heading to PlayStation 4 in 2016. They showed a brief trailer, which we're going to be posting on RageWorks.net. Uh, the graphics and the and the approach are definitely a lot different. They're going for more of a 3D sprite style using the 3D visuals, but but leveraging that against 2D backdrops, a little bit like Street Fighter, but definitely more. I want to say the, the 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 characters look a little bit more waxy, which I don't like, like the waxy skin texture and the waxy clothing, and you know you can take it or leave it. I, I, like anything else, I'll definitely check it out because again, it's a fighting game, but. I'm I'm really happy just to see another fighting game being announced. And the only reason I say this is just because the fighting game genre has really received the shot in the arm due to, you know, obviously titles like Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat X, even Killer Instinct to some degree. And of course, Evo and all the tournaments, those the, the turnout and the amount of people that watch the gameplay online for those events is just ridiculous. And as someone who's a fan of the genre, I I like to see other games, especially games that I grew up playing, kind of get re reestablished in the in the genre as a whole. I see that that Val is asking for Tekken Seven, much like you. I too am asking for Tekken Seven. I'd like to play another Virtual Fighter, um, probably one of the. I don't want to say one of the most accurate representations of a lot of martial arts disciplines, but definitely a game that is more strategic in certain aspects. I mean, Dead or Alive is that way to a degree, but Dead or Alive also can be can be taken apart with button mashing. So 
in that regard, Dead or Alive, I like it. Don't get me wrong. I've, I've streamed a couple of games of Dead or Alive, but I've always felt that Virtual Fighter just felt more real. I think I, you know, it felt it, it felt like like you were playing Akumate, and um, it's funny. Val says I haven't touched Virtual Fighter since the one on PS3. You know, it was. The, are you talking about the one where they introduced Vanessa and the guy that looked like a zombie with the judo gi? Because that game, that game was tremendous. I actually picked up a version of that game on Xbox 360. You know. <laughs> Slick says, fuck all the bullshit. I want a new Samurai Showdown. You know, you know, Slick, I wouldn't mind a new Samurai Showdown or at minimum taking that anthology. And especially if we're double dipping shit, double dip that and give us some new graphics on, um, you know, PlayStation 4 or Xbox One or, you know, either one of them. But I wouldn't mind if they took the anthology, put it through the put it through the ringer and gave us something brand new built from the ground up. But still, you know, the anthology of the series. I um I love that. I I, I definitely gotta co sign with that slick. I would not mind a brand new Samurai Showdown. I'm with you on that, buddy. That's for damn sure. So aside from the announcement of King of Fighters 14, there's still a lot of stuff coming out of Tokyo Game Show. We're definitely trying to get a lot of it out there to you guys on RageWorks.net. I did want to talk about some of the new things that are coming out for the PlayStation 4 new accessories they are announcing they announced four brand new controller colors including gold, silver, steel black and transparent crystal. The gold, silver and black are going to be available in limited quantities on November 6th and the crystal variant will launch on December 3rd. Uh, right now gold and silver controllers were only have been announced for Europe though obviously more information is set to follow. Uh, the thing that gets me is that the colorways are nice, but the other new thing that they're doing is that they're introducing hard drive base covers. For those of you that have the PlayStation 4 and know about the cover on the top to replace the hard drive, they're actually re- they're actually releasing different faceplate variations starting November 6th in Japan. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna be roughly twenty one dollars in Japan. And are only going to be available in Sony stores. Of course, I'm sure this is going to make its way to the U.S. as well. The color variations include purple, red, yellow, pink, gold, silver. Uh, Seven colors, excluding gold and silver, are available now for pre-order. But again, it's going to be one of those things where they're going to start putting that out there. And once it, it, it kind of gains traction in Japan, I do see it coming to the States. We are... We are a, a demographic and a genre of people that like to customize our shit. I know plenty of guys that they they when a when a new PS4 or a new Xbox One come out, and I said this for the the Batman edition. You know, people will sell their systems and and get the new one just because it's something that they like. Uh, the Forza one, which recently came out, I believe has a special startup sound on top of the fact that it comes with a in, you know in a really cool colorway. Now. The Star Wars Battlefront PlayStation 4 looks extremely cool. Is it something I personally would pick up? I love Star Wars, don't get me wrong. But um, I kind of feel that that one, they, they, they phoned it in a little bit. But I'm sure that the customizable hard drive faceplates will take off only because it's a nice way to add a little a little variety to your system. I mean, right now, my home theater... If you look at it, if I were to put a picture of it online, it's just a bunch of black boxes. <laughs> that, that's, that's what it is. I think when, 
when you had the the white Wii, you know, the Wii system and it was white or the Xbox 360 that was white, it kind of broke things up a bit and you know, it, you didn't just look at mounds of of black plastic. So, I think if the face plates come in 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 a decent color, I'd pick up a blue one or um a red one cuz either one of those are nice just to break things up a bit and again for 20 bucks not a big deal but we'll see what happens they also showed off a new headset which is going to retail for $100 they also uh announced four Vita colors why why because it's a fucking paperweight uh the brand new colors launching in Japan include black aqua blue neon orange and glacier white uh, the Aqua Blue system is going to be launching here in the U.S. for one ninety nine. <laughs> oh, dude, if there were if there were themed Transformers plates, because Rich says uh, Slick says Rich is a liar. He wants a Grimlock one, dude. If there were if they did customizable or custom face plates like that, I would buy one immediately, and I absolutely would buy a Grimlock one. Hell, if I had a blue PlayStation Four and a, and got a red hard drive front, I'd find a way to have it customized so that it looks like Optimus Prime. I would definitely do that shit. Or even if you have a gray one and you put the black highlights and put like a little Megatron skin on it, something really cool, I would absolutely positively do that shit. There's, I'm, not even, I'm not even joking about that. I'm all about customization. And, and you're talking to a guy that when he had the old Nokia cell phones with the changeable face plates, I'm sure Val may remember this as well. I used to buy face plates all the time and change them out. I had like a box full of face plates. I think I threw them out, I think, four years ago that I found them in the garage. And there were different ones, airbrush with money, skulls, the stereotypical Puerto Rican flag, um, you know, skulls, different things. When I started using a sidekick, they used to do, you know, skins for the sidekick, and I had an Akuma skin, and I had a couple of different, I had a Carnage one, a Venom one. There were definitely a lot, a lot of different skins. I was a sucker for that shit. Nowadays, I just try to protect my stuff as best as possible. I mean, even my phone, I only buy like one case. You know, I bought this clear case just because the design was nice. But nothing too crazy. Like customization now, I, I, I still partake to a degree, but not like it was when we were growing up. You know, you'd have custom colors on your phone cases or your sidekicks or let, let's take it way back into the way back machine with a pager used to have different cases for my for my pagers i'd go and i you know i had whatever it was i used to have a um what the hell slick would you happen to remember and and i and i shouldn't even throw this to you that blue pager that came out that you would fold it and it actually had a keyboard i remember i had one of those and they used to do plastic plastic cases plastic bodies that would be in like a clear transparent color so you'd have like transparent red transparent green that shit i remember i was a sucker for that and i used to go to either jamaica avenue here in here in queens new york or the flushing also in queens new york or if i was in chinatown in in manhattan i would i would pick up stuff like that for my phone just because again just just a glutton for punishment. But yes, I, I, I probably would buy at least one faceplate for my PlayStation 4. Anyway, once we get new details, new information, and new release dates, keep it locked to Rageworks, and we will get those dates and prices for you. Now, the other thing I wanted to talk about 
to wrap up the gaming segment for this week was the Street Fighter 4 announcements that have been coming out. Of course, the first one was the announcement of Rashid of the Turbulent Wind. And the newest announcement, which happened today, was the announcement of Karen Kanzuki from Street Fighter Alpha 3 making her way to Street Fighter 5. Now, a couple of things. There are some people that were actually writing some some really foul shit um, about the introduction of the Rashid character. Like, oh, you know, why do we got to have, you know, a terrorist? You know, just really uninformed foul shit. And when I read that, it bothered me just because it's like, listen, it's a fucking game. And if you guys remember when you played Street Fighter 2 in the arcade, it would say Street Fighter 2 and the heading underneath would say the World Warrior, meaning fighters from all over the fucking world. So please keep your, your, your fucking racially insensitive comments to yourself because, again, the World Warrior. Look it up. Look up the original Street Fighter 2 screen. When you would start the game, it would say Street Fighter 2, the World Warrior. Now, as for the announcement, <laughs> there you go. Slick says no one complained about Rolento and he is an actual terrorist. But again, you know what the problem is? That people people are, and, and again, this is partially the access to the internet and people being able to hide behind uh, a screen and a keyboard. And people just say the worst shit. But the thing that, that bothers me the most is the fact that people are so, are so you know, just, just vicious about some of this stuff. But in any case, the addition of the character was, was very cool. I, I thought, again, it was a good way to represent people of, of Middle Eastern culture. Yoshinori Ono actually met with, um, you know, developers in the region to give the character an accurate and, and just, I, again, there, there is going to be stereotypes. It's a video game. But nonetheless, his his design is a little is a little he don't get me wrong. He does look like Prince Ali when Aladdin was Prince Ali in 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 the Aladdin movies. Do not misunderstand and do not take offense when I say that, because he does. As a matter of fact, somebody actually took a picture of Aladdin in that costume, drew a beard on it, put the little Dragon Ball Z style scouter. And he was like, who am I? And I had to I had to laugh because it's like, holy shit, I understand you guys want to go for, you know, traditional dress, but fuck. But nonetheless, a new character definitely is is nice to see. I mean, he joins Nikali, who is also new and was recently announced. And of course, we got all our uh, um, the majority of our returning favorites um, a little older, a little more grizzled. And of course, we're getting some other challengers as well, including, as I said, Karen from Street Fighter Alpha 3, which was announced today. And um, I'm going to show you guys the trailer for that because I, I did get the assets. So fuck it. Whatever. Let, let me uh, let me pull that up. Check this out. I was thoroughly impressed with the, the character design and the way that the character was done. Check this. I'll show you the divide in our class. A lot of trademark attacks. Level looks really cool. 
lot of corner traps. Reminded me of Dudley's finisher. Now of course now of course that beta is available for those of you that um are doing Tokyo Game Show right now and the thing is that thus far you got 12 confirmed characters she her attacks are very very much similar to many of the attacks that she utilized in Street Fighter Alpha 3 now there are rumors and I met, and it's funny cuz I put this in the article without even hearing about these rumors till about an hour before we went on air, that we were going to see a younger Alex and also Yurian would be making an appearance in the game. And it's funny because, as many of you know, the way that the Street Fighter numbering system works is that Street Fighter 3 is supposed to be taking place after the events of Street Fighter 4. And I'm curious if that also means that it will take place after Street Fighter 5 if we're allegedly going to get a younger version of Alex. So definitely very, very interesting to see that stuff. A lot of disjointed storytelling there, as is typical in the Street Fighter universe. But um, the thing that gets me is, like I said, just we're, we're, seeing, we're seeing some interesting, interesting characters, a lot of returning characters. Uh, there are going to be, of course, a lot of classics that we're going to see, obviously. And we're also probably going to see some characters that are brand new to the series like Rashid and Nikali. But the thing that gets me is I know that Street Fighter EX Plus Alpha was done in partnership with another company, so they can't use a lot of those characters. But I would like to see some characters from that game be brought forward into the brand new Street Fighter universe. I mean, I would love to, I would trade, I would gladly trade El Fuerte for... Skullomania. I would I would gladly trade El Fuerte for Skullomania. Absolutely in a heartbeat. I I definitely would. I would I would probably bring Kyrie or Hokuto into the game from the EX series if like I said if I if I were creating it and if it were possible and probably Doctrine Dark who was uh you know or D D Dark who was an awesome game. Uh, an awesome character in the game, and um, Garuda, Garuda's design was out of this world. For those of you that don't remember uh, Street Fighter EX Plus Alpha, I believe I may have done a blast from the past for that game. You can check it out on the My Take Radio YouTube channel. If not, maybe I'll set aside some time and try and stream it this weekend. I think I still have uh, Street Fighter EX Plus Alpha 2, and I can stream it via the PS2. I'll, I'll let you guys know what the deal is with regards to that. Uh, Slick just uh, informed me that the Gamers Club Unlocked applies to all pre-orders. So you can pre-order Street Fighter V Collector's Edition, which has a regular price of $100 for 80 bucks. Again, the Best Buy Gamers Club is probably one of the best things that Best Buy has done. Um, of course, you can get the regular version of the game for $48. Slick, tell me if you agree with this. Best Buy needs to do something like that for for Blu-rays, like a frequent movie, a a movie buff club or something like that, where you can get 
a couple of bucks off a of Blu-ray. I think I think that would be tremendous. I'd love that. I'd be down immediately. Only because, don't get me wrong, you can buy a lot of Blu-rays on Tuesday when they're new releases, and you get them for cheap, whatever, 19 bucks, or you hope for the best. <laughs> well played, sir. Or you hope for the best and you and you pray that your favorite titles are on sale on Black Friday. Uh, me and and Jimbo Slice, who, who many of you guys know, many of you guys know, uh, contributed to the show and uh, photographer. We we did Black Friday last year, and I hadn't done that in a long time, and I actually did fairly well with Blu-rays, and in all place and of all places, fucking Walmart. There were a couple of Blu-rays that were on my radar that I picked up at Walmart on Black Friday, which wasn't swamped, which was insane, <laughs> for five bucks. I was like, well, shit, you know, I picked up a lot of different Blu-rays for five bucks a clip. By the time it was all said and done, I walked out of there with five, uh, six movies that I wanted, and, you know, it cost me 30 bucks at $5 a pop. If Best Buy did something like that, I think they would really take the fight to Amazon with people being able to get in there and get their favorite Blu-rays for a considerable, uh, for considerably less. Uh, if, if anybody is affiliated with Best Buy's upper office and can make that happen, I would gladly appreciate it. Anyway, with that said, that is going to be the last bit of gaming news for this evening. We're going to jump into the entertainment news for the week. As always, we will take your calls 347-324-324. Three five four one. If you're watching the video stream via Twitch or YouTube Live or Vaughn Live, head over to mtrlive.com. We still have a video stream there, and you can participate in the chat as well. If you are on a mobile device, you can use the Mixler app and listen to the live feed that way, or use our call-in number, not hit option one, and you can listen to the show that way as well. Should have mentioned that earlier, but I figure since we are switching segments, it would be a good opportunity to get that out there. Anyway, with that, let's switch gears and jump into this week's entertainment news, shall we? Shout out to Johnny Boy in the chat. I haven't seen that name in a in the chat room in a long time, so shout out to him. Um, of course, Val, one of our regulars, Danny from Royal Flush. Thank you guys for joining us in the chat for this episode. All right, so lots of entertainment stuff on deck. We definitely want to discuss um, a lot of DC news, a lot of Marvel news. Uh, on the DC side of things, I want to get the ball rolling with a rumor courtesy of Heroic Hollywood. Uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, El Majimbe, uh, from, used to be from Latino Film Review, is holding it down now on his own site, Heroic Hollywood. And El Majimbe, um, Umberto is, is a really, really awesome dude. He's, he's probably one of the realest dudes in the, in the movie scoop business. Uh, he always goes out there and, no, you know what's funny? He's, the thing is, and it's funny that Val that you said that, but he does a lot of Periscope stuff and people ask him about the rumors and how stuff pans out. And he was saying that a lot of the stuff, sometimes he has a, a really good inside track with people 
Sometimes he does not. And obviously the information varies, but I'm sure that there's a lot of palm greasing, trying to get in with the right people, get the right information. And um, he's, he's been doing pretty well. Like I said, I was originally not fully a fan. Well, yeah, I mean, Latino Review has always caught a lot of flack for their rumors being 50-50. But you know what it is? That when it comes to to breaking stories, especially if, if they're being built off of rumors, it's always a tough thing to do. But ever since he's gone on his own with Heroic Hollywood and he's kind of been interacting more and I've been following his work closer, I've I've developed a really a really large amount of respect for him because you're in the industry, you're trying to get the the best news possible. And sometimes you're going to make a lot of enemies in the process. And that's one of the things that a lot of people talk about that it's like, you know, sometimes he ruffles a lot of feathers because he breaks a lot of shit that people don't want getting out there. And one of the news that came out this week was a rumor that Sean Bean and Ava Green are being eyed to play villains in the upcoming Wonder Woman film opposite Gal Gadot. Now, the roles that they're being considered is Sean Bean as Ares and Ava Green as Circe. Um, Obviously, both actors are always sought after and definitely have a ton of iconic roles under their belt. Now, the thing that gets me is I don't mind Sean Bean. I don't have a problem with him as an actor. (laughs) But like Val just said, so a part that Sean Bean won't die in. The thing that that gets me, you know, Cersei and Ares are probably considered some of Wonder Woman's most most iconic villains in in a lot of different capacities. Cersei originally, I believe, appeared in in one of the earliest Wonder Woman books, I want to say back in in the 50s. And Ares, of course, has been around since well before that. I think he was in the 40s. And he also made his first modern appearance in 1987. Again, two characters that would allow Wonder Woman to beat them up realistically. And I said this before, one of the biggest hangups when it comes to, to characters with, you know, incredible, immeasurable amounts of power is the fact that they don't, they can't beat up just all of their villains. See, and that's one of the things, like with Superman, and I said this before, you can tell a lot of, a lot of great stories with Superman and Lex Luthor But until Lex Luthor jumps into the power suit and starts swinging on Superman, you really just don't give a shit. Like, a few weeks ago, they gave a marathon of the late Christopher Reeves Superman movies, which, as many of you know, had Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor, and he was iconic in every sense of the word. And the first Superman movie pretty much set the tone, and the second movies... The second film, you know, with the introduction of the Kryptonians, you know, with Zod and everybody else, when you saw that movie and you saw how how far they took it, you're like, wow, this is crazy. And that's when you saw that Superman benefited from being able to mix it up with his villains. Then, of course, we go into the terrible third film, which is a guilty pleasure. You know, it's like, you know, the the, the third film with uh, Richard Pryor was not good. There was nothing good about it, but you ended up watching it because you just had to. And, you know, the um, let's not even talk about, you know, Superman four with nuclear man, because, wow, was that movie shit? 
once again, Lex Luthor getting involved, nuclear man with these long ass nails. It was it was abysmal. Superman 2, like Val said, is the, the gold standard when it comes to Christopher Reeve's movies. But again, going back to what I was saying, it's a movie where he was able to mix it up with with characters on a physical level. Even Man of Steel, which many people just look at as a you know glorified destruction derby on film, the, the biggest selling point of that movie was the fact that he was able to mix it up with Zod, Faora, and, and the rest of the Kryptonians. And sure, there, there was needless destruction and motherfuckers dying left and right. But at the end of the day, when you watch that movie, you're like, holy shit, you know, like that's what you want to see. And even in Batman versus Superman with the rumor that they're going to be facing Doomsday, it, it goes it goes into that same logic where you need somebody for Superman and even Wonder Woman with regards to her film that she can mix it up with on a physical level. I mean, you can go the easy route and use Cheetah or some of Wonder Woman's other villains, which, again, they, they fall in line with Greek mythology. But the thing is that you're going to want to do something that's iconic and that can give you some great set pieces. Like Superman and Wonder Woman fighting Doomsday, regardless of how anyone feels about it, it's going to look incredible on screen. I mean, even when we watched the uh, the Death of Superman animated movie and you see it unfold in front of you, where you're just like, wow, that's, that's insane. Um, Slick, could you find the YouTube clip for Superman versus doomsday from from that film just for just for the sake of explanation um the thing is it, you know people people are always gonna shit on some of that stuff <laughs> thank you sir um but some of the stuff it's just par for the course i mean val says i think that the movie was justified refer- referring to man of steel no one complained about the the avengers leveling three quarters of manhattan this is true also but Again, it's one of those things where people are going to f- try and find things wrong with um, with the way that things are presented. And me personally, I think that going with someone like Ares and Circe is beneficial just to allow Wonder Woman, like I said, to mix it up physically. Because, again, if you're going to do the, you know, the World War II stuff and, you know, borrow a little bit from Captain America First Avenger for Wonder Woman then you're going to need to also make sure to throw some modern stuff in there as well. All right, let's switch gears for a second. I want to talk about this weekend's box office totals. The number one film at the box office was The Perfect Guy, which I always want to say is uh, the African-American single white female. <laughs> that, that, when I saw the trailer, I really felt that that's what it was. Uh, obviously, it's that, that I'm not saying that with any sort of intent, but here's the thing. When you look at movies that are put out, especially if they're movies that are tailored toward African-Americans, which, again, we're all humans and we're all moviegoers. But there are those movies. Hey, we're going to put out, you know, a black vampire movie or a black zombie movie. It, it happens. We know this. We know this. All I got to say is vampire in Brooklyn or there's a there's a gem which many uh, anybody who watches obscure movies on cable may know it's called vampires with a z it's, i believe it's v a m p i a z vampires if i remember correctly and man was it shit <laughs> 
And the only reason I ended up watching it was because I remember I was thumbing through the cable channels and they were giving a vampire movie called Subspecies, which I watched. I used to watch them on VHS from a video store I used to live when I used to live in the Bronx called Star Search Video. I rented uh, Subspecies and they were giving Subspecies, John Carpenter's Vampires, and then Vampires after that. I was like, okay, it's, you know, it, it's, it's, it's 2 a.m. I'm, I'm bored. I'm a little wired. Fuck it. I'll watch it. So <laughs> I watched, I watched, um, subspecies. I think it was like the fourth one or the third one. I was like, really? We're on the third or fourth of this crazy franchise. And then I watched John Carpenter's Vampires with James Woods, which, which was fucking tremendous. I love everything about that movie because James Woods is a fucking jerk off and a prick and it works. And um, then afterwards, like I said, I watched this this vampires movie, which was which like took place in the hood or some shit. I want to see if I can if I can even find it on. uh, I, I. I can't even. I can't even find it. I wish I could find like a a, a box or a, or something because the box art was terrible. But again, we we've had that happen. If you guys remember, there was Tales from the Dark Side. Then we had Tales from the Hood. I mean, Tales from the Hood was awesome. You know, Snoop Dogg was tremendous, but was it necessary? No. Did you need to send the Leprechaun to the Hood? No. <laughs> Let let's not. Yes! Yes! Thank you, Slick. Holy shit. (laughs) Oh, man. Slick found it. Oh, Slick, you are my hero. You are my fucking hero tonight, man. Oh, let me see if I could could, uh, screen that. There it is. Look at that. And then it says brothers with a Z in blood. <laughs> oh man, was it god awful slick. You 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 are the man this evening, sir. Thank you for that assist. It was it was <laughs> it was so bad. It was so bad. So like I said, you know, it's 2 a.m. I'm watching this and I'm just like, what did, why did I do this to myself? Why? But going back to the box office numbers, when I saw the, the perfect uh, the perfect guy, you know, you had Morris Chestnut, who's a staple in these movies. Then you had Michael Ely, who when you get him, when you can't get, um, you know, any other dramatic African-American actor who knows that this film is shit. Uh, so, yeah, you get you get that. Anyway, the perfect the perfect guy was number one. It earned twenty six point seven million dollars which is pretty shocking, uh, followed by The Visit, which came in at number two, which I actually want to see because the trailer looks really creepy. I don't know if I'm going to pay money to go see it in the theater, but it definitely is on my radar. Uh, War Room came in at number three. A Walk in the Woods was number four, which is just pretty much grumpy old men without the grumpiness. Uh, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation still cranking it. $4.2 million. It's grand total thus far. 
is $188.2 million. Thank you, Slick, for t- <laughs> Ah, yes, the shit. Pretty soon you'll all be knee-deep in the shit. <laughs> Thank you, Slick. Thank you so much for that. Um, straight out of Compton held on in the top 10 slot, earning the number six slot, $4.1 million, $155 million. Uh, $155.7 million total. No Escape was number seven. The Transporter Refuel just tumbles down the list to number eight with a $13.3 million total thus far. 90 Minutes in Heaven was number nine. And once again, the cult favorite, Un Gallo con Muchos Huevos, a.k.a. a cock with many eggs or a rooster with many eggs, depending on who you who you ask was rounding it out in the number 10 slot, earning $1.9 million. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, that is a real movie. Un gallo con muchos huevos. Not even a joke, guys. I'm not even trying to be extra ethnic this evening, but that is the title of a film. I kid you not. Anyway. (laughs) Ah, slick. I'm sure. I'm sure that the title of that movie has a has an has a different meaning. I I, I didn't even IMDb the title because I just I just don't want to do it. But I, I have a feeling that the title is is strictly from a satire sense. <laughs> oh, shout out to Tumbling with Tumbleweeds, Don Anderson, who's in there. He says, and I quote: "I at least you can say it. I've been trying to pronounce it for weeks." <laughs> Ah, oh, man, good old Don Anderson, one of Cleveland's own. Make sure to check him out on Tumbling with Tumbleweed. You can find it on Blog Talk Radio, uh, killing it, as always, uh, sharing his thoughts on Cleveland sports, films, wrestling, and whatever else comes across his plate. Shout out to Donnie for joining us this evening. Anyway, in some other box office numbers, this this is just getting insane. The Minions, who many of you know, are just pretty much glorified cash grabs for the studio after the Despicable Me franchise have just crossed over the $1 billion mark. The Minions film has crossed a $1 billion mark at the worldwide box office. The film's theatrical run in China helped push it over the billion dollar mark. It's currently sitting at $1.8 billion in the worldwide box office. $331 million of that $1.8 billion is is from the domestic gross. So with that said, the minions are fucking popular and they will continue to crank out movies for as long as people will tune in and hear a bunch of walking Twinkies talking gibberish for 90 minutes. (laughs) It's like, I just gave you guys the plot for the next minions movie. That was it right there. That entire little diatribe of gibberish was the plot for the next million for the next Minions movie. <laughs> uh, Johnny Boy says, "I don't like those corn pops." <laughs> that's that's a good one. Corn pops works too. Anyway, billion dollar mark is is just insane. Switching gears, jumping into the Marvel side of things, according to the rap, Rachel McAdams has revealed that she will be playing the female lead in Doctor Strange, opposite Benedict Cumberbatch, who of course will be playing Doctor Strange in the film. Also announced and cast already, Tilda Swinton as the Ancient One, 
Tweetel Ejiofor as Baron Mordo. We still don't know who Mads Mikkelsen is going to play. Some people are saying it's going to be Dormammu. Not 100% sure yet, but I am intrigued not only at how Benedict Cumberbatch is going to bring Doctor Strange to life, but I'm really curious to see how Tweetel Ejiofor works as Baron Mordo. That's really my my interest because, you, you know, at, villains like that, especially when it comes to, to Doctor Strange, he's another one of those guys that I look at Doctor Strange and I see the all-knowing asshole of the Marvel Universe. Here's this guy. He's got all these mystical powers. He's a dick. And he's always involved in everything that goes wrong in the Marvel Universe. Hey, we're going to start World War Hulk. The Illuminati is comprised of Tony Stark, Professor X, Black Bolt, Namor, and of course, Mr. Fantastic and Doctor Strange. Oh, we all agreed that we should shoot the Hulk into space so that he could stop breaking shit. Okay, great. And then the Hulk comes back, whoops everybody's ass, destroys everything. Good idea, Doctor Strange. Good idea. Yep, Black Panther did leave the Illuminati because he did not agree. That is correct, Slick. But, um, yeah, Doctor Strange is always involved in all the shit that goes wrong in the Marvel Universe. I don't dislike him, but I always feel that he's the guy that he, he is the bad news Barrett of of the Marvel Universe. He just comes in. Hey, I got a bad I got a bad feeling that this gate to hell is going to open and Mephisto and all his minions are going to jump out. But, you know, it won't happen till next week. <laughs> You know, like that's that's what he does. I mean, yeah. See, Shuma Gorath is an awesome character. I I'd, I'd love to see Shuma Gorath on screen. That would be really cool. I, I doubt that Mad Mikkel, Mads Mikkelsen is going to do that. Uh, people are saying that either Mikkelsen is going to do uh, Dormammu or Mephisto, but like I said, Baron Mordo is a character that he's always been involved in some capacity, um, <laughs> and. Um, I definitely want to see how Tweetel Edge of Four fares against uh, Stephen Strange. We'll see what happens. And um, Val says, Doctor Strange has more potential than Fantastic Four. You know what the problem is? Doctor Strange, like I said, is ingrained in so many different things in the Marvel Universe at this point that you got to put him in a movie. In some capacity, he's got to be there. And even though... Marvel denies it at, at every turn. I have a feeling that we will see World War Hulk in some capacity on the big screen because all the parts are coming together. We got the Inhumans with Black Bolt. Check. We got Black Panther. Checked. Tony Stark. Check. Yeah, you don't have Professor X, you don't have Namor and all that, but I'm sure that they can just as easily create an Illuminati without that. It'll be the Illuminati of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because at this point, why the fuck not? <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, we just the guy in a wheelchair, yes. Just, hey, who's the guy in the wheelchair? Oh, he's the guy that's taking notes for this meeting, even though it's supposed to be Professor X, but this is our, this is our transcriptionist. That will take Illuminati meeting notes. <laughs> yeah, but Reed, yeah, Reed Richards is stuck in Fox, dude. Reed Richards is stuck. Namor, I believe, is stuck in Fox. Um, 
while Black Bolt is a given, you know, Black Bolt is going to be there. And, and that here's the thing. Black Bolt, I'd like to see. And again, World War Hulk, as much as they deny it, it would work on the big screen. Just the Hulk kicking ass for, I don't know, 90 minutes. I would I would lose my mind if they did that. Just the Hulk comes back. And everybody's like, you know, Bruce, you got to calm down. You all Hulk, no, calm down. Hulk smash. Just, just, and, and that's the thing. Like you actually start making the Hulk speak more. It would really, it would, it would drive, it would drive people bananas. It, yeah. He does speak clearly in world war Hulk, but given that in the cinematic universe, he's, he's two steps removed from, from fucking Gollum, you know, <laughs> it's, it, you know, it's, it's one of those things where. It's true, man. Like, oh, Gollum. Oh, my precious. Like, like Hulk, it's like he says like three words. It's like he does verb. He can verbalize. I mean, you want to go with Savage Hulk? That's fine. But don't make him a complete fucking idiot. <laughs> no, but I'm serious, man. World War Hulk on the big screen would be ridiculous just for the sake of spectacle. I mean, if we're trying to pull off Infinity Gauntlet, on the big screen and we don't even have all the factors in place for that we could do world war hulk at this point we really can <laughs> slick says i just want hulk to destroy stark tower with stark's carcass dude that's that's all i need just hulk rampaging through the marvel universe and you can do that you can start world war hulk and like avengers then have him jump into iron man and maybe captain america you you could do a lot with that but Obviously, like I said, eventually I have a feeling it's going to happen. I mean, there was a rumor that said we were going to see Hulk and Guardians of the Galaxy, I, eh, which I think would be a way. Again, why would there be a rumor of Hulk being seen in Guardians of the Galaxy if you weren't trying to set up World War Hulk? I don't know, because why the fuck would the Hulk be in space? <laughs> Mind fuck. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let me let me let me not let me not beat up the Marvel stuff. Um anyway, there's a rumor floating around that E and E News added fuel to that rumor that Nickelodeon was going to launch a network devoted to its original 90s programming. It would be called and this is just terrible, The Splat, which would include all the original cartoons that we watched during the 90s including Hey Arnold, Rocco's Modern Life, Angry Beavers. As long as I get Are You Afraid of the Dark, Clarissa Explains It All, Pete, Pete, and Pete, Legends of the Hidden Temple, with, with a guy with Olmac who looks like Cain uh, Velasquez, and um, Ren and Stimpy, definitely. I, I'd love some Ren and Stimpy highlights. Stimpy, you worm. I just, I, I'll take that. Powdered Toast Man, Pope. Pontiff, grab on to my buttocks as he flies backwards. And I, I have no problem with this whatsoever. I'd sit there and watch three hours of Rocco's Modern Life and, and Ren and Stimpy. Zero, I see zero problem with this, guys. Zero problem with this. Again, it's not 100% confirmed as of yet, but they are looking to bring back a lot of that 90s programming with this alleged channel called The Splat. I, I'll, I'd check it out. Like I said, there's there was a lot of stuff that Nickelodeon did growing up that was worth watching. And um, my sisters, of course, being being children of the 90s, uh, my oldest sister born in 89 
and my youngest sister born in 91, they would definitely be glued to the TV to watch uh, Eureka's Castle, Maya the Bee, uh, David the Gnome. I actually know a guy that looks like David the Gnome. Um, You know, all those iconic shows. In any case, I'm going to be watching that bit of news with with a very, very big vested interest. Anyway, circling back to DC real quick, I did want to talk about the alleged rumor for the sequel to Man of Steel, which a lot of people have been very, very vocal about, primarily because um, some people said it was going to happen, some people said it wasn't, some people said that George Miller was going to be involved. Um, Our friends over at Heroic Hollywood once again said that the Man of Steel sequel would see both Brainiac and Supergirl on the big screen. And some of the reasoning behind it is because if you remember in Man of Steel, when he went into the room, there were a bunch of Kryptonian skeletons, but one of the pods was open, which was a nice way for them to set up that Supergirl was in one of those pods allegedly. And of course, the other thing being Brainiac, which again says exactly what I said earlier in the segment, that you give Superman someone he can punch in the face. Now, the thing that gets me with that is that even though all of that works and you can do it, they're saying that they would use Brainiac to also create Bizarro and um, use him in the film as well. So you'd have Superman, Brainiac, Bizarro, and Supergirl in a Man of Steel sequel. Now, I have, I have no problem with this whatsoever. I think that this would actually be interesting to see on screen. Again, you give us now two villains that Superman can punch in the face, plus you introduce Supergirl into the DC Cinematic Universe. Of course, as many of you know, the DC TV series do not exist in the DC Cinematic Universe, so the Supergirl being used on TV, Green Arrow, The Flash, all those characters don't mean shit when it comes to the big screen. But again... As of right now, all signs are pointing to this being a very, very strong rumor for the time being, but one that is gaining a lot of steam. In some what-the-fuck movie news this week, because we haven't had that in quite some time, we are getting a reboot of Charlie's Angels. It appears that Charlie's Angels is once again being looked at by Sony with a brand new film reboot and and probably Elizabeth Banks, who many of you know was involved with Pitch Perfect 2, on board to direct. If you guys remember, the original Charlie's Angels reboot that came out in 2001 had Cameron Diaz, Drew Barrymore, and Lucy Liu, and then, of course, its sequel in 2003 had those those same three ladies. Then they tried to do a TV series in 2011, which was canceled after eight episodes. Um, Here's the thing. We're in a weird state where movies are being adapted to TV shows and people are still dipping into the well to try and turn old TV shows into movies. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But the thing with Charlie's Angels is that if you are trying to bring that franchise back, not only do you need uh, three women who can get along, but you need to also have good fight choreography and just a decent story. One of the things with the with the with the Charlie's Angels movies from you know the early two thousands was the fact that the choreography and the wire work was so ridiculous and so stupid looking 
that when you watched it back then, you're like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then you watch it now and you're like, wow, this is festering shit. And the thing is, Barrymore, Lou, and Diaz had great chemistry, but there was always issues behind the scenes, problems with Bill Murray. Uh, then you put Bernie Mac in the second one, and it was all right. But again, it just the, the, that's that's my whole thing. I don't I don't hate the concept, but I'm not a fan of it either because when you look at it, you're you're re- trying to reinvigorate something that number one isn't that old, and number two I don't think is going to have the sort of market that is going to make for a successful film. I mean, you could probably get away with doing it in the style that they did Twenty One Jump Street just over the top and stupid. But if you're going to do that, you have to expect that people are going to compare it to 21 jump street for that very same reason. Again, you know, Elizabeth banks is coming off incredible success with pitch perfect two, which made $285 million, which is insane. They're even doing a third pitch perfect film in 2017. But as of right now, no one knows if she is going to direct that. But in any case, she's the one that's being considered to bring Charlie's Angels back to the big screen. We'll see what happens. As always, keep it locked here if we get any additional news. Now, excuse me, this this next bit of news I wanted to talk about because it's affected three different projects in one fell swoop. So right now there is a rumor being being strongly, strongly reinforced by multiple websites that we are going to see a big screen version of King Kong versus Godzilla, obviously using the new King Kong taking on the new Godzilla. Well, adding extra fuel to that rumor is the fact that the brand new upcoming King Kong sequel called Kong Skull Island is actually going to use part of the film to set up the inevitable clash between two of Hollywood's most iconic monsters. Now, the other thing about it is that we do have the upcoming Godzilla sequel. We do have the King Kong Skull Island, and allegedly they even wanted to involve Godzilla in Pacific Rim as well. Now, the Pacific Rim rumor is 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 sketchy. Take that with a with a huge grain of salt. But King Kong and Godzilla on the big screen, that is actually picking up a lot of steam, and it's really looking like it will be a possibility after they finish doing Kong Skull Island. Now, I don't mind. I think it's cool to see that sort of stuff, but I think that if you wanted to throw Godzilla into Pacific Rim, it would be interesting only because it's something that, you know, they would it, it would just be cool to see. Now, Slick says, how would that work, though? Kong is about 30 feet tall. Godzilla was over 100 feet tall. I I have a feeling, and again, don't quote me on this, but I have a feeling that whatever Kong we see in Skull Island will be bigger than the Kong scene in the first film. Maybe they'll say that the Kong in the, in the first film was a baby and that the Kong in Skull Island is, you know, the real Kong. Again, just throwing that out there, you know how Hollywood works, but at least if you went... <laughs> you are out of control. But um, if they did that, I can understand that being an easy way to 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 spin that. Again, I'm, I love monster movies, kaiju films. I've, I own a lot of them. And I'd like to see it, I think, with the improvements in special effects and CG 
it would look really cool, but I don't even know how successful a second Kong film will be. I think putting Godzilla into something like Pacific Rim and just establishing this this monstrous giant universe would work. You would have the Godzilla movies take place in the modern day, and since Godzilla's old as fuck, why couldn't he why couldn't he exist in the future where you know the the robots were taking on the kaijus? Who's to say that the explosion when they closed the gate at the end of Pacific Rim didn't wake up Godzilla and you know he's running around just destroying shit? Again, I, I'm just throwing it out there, but at least if you're going that route, there's there's a more cohesive way to put that story together. But as of right now, take take all of this with a grain of salt. The only thing that's certain right now is that Kong Skull Island is going to happen, and um, that film is scheduled for release August fourth, twenty seventeen. And no, no, let me rephrase that. No, uh, Skull Island, I believe, is scheduled for twenty sixteen. And the Pacific Rim sequel was scheduled for 2017, even though they're saying that 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 sequel is being delayed because of the focus being on King Kong and Godzilla. Again, we'll see how that pans out, but I wouldn't mind seeing um, Gypsy Danger square off against Godzilla. I wouldn't mind it. Definitely, definitely something that would make the uh, the little kid me extremely happy. That's for damn sure. In some big screen to small screen news, which again is a trend that is happening way too often, uh, Dimension Television announced that they're going to be turning Stephen King's The Mist into a television series. Now, if you guys have not seen The Mist, it is an incredibly foul movie. It is fucked up, but really good. Thomas Jane was tremendous in that film, and just the overall concept and the crazy ending is you know, makes me want to recommend the film. I don't know how well that would translate into an ongoing TV series, but I think that the narrative for a film was executed flawlessly. If you guys haven't checked out The Mist, you can find it. I I, I believe it was on Netflix a couple of months ago, but you can pick it up on Blu-ray or, or DVD for like five bucks. Definitely check it out. It's, it's a crazy movie with an even crazier ending. Not totally on board with the TV series, but we'll see what happens. This this next bit of news doesn't even come as a surprise. Uh, the Gambit solo film is dealing with a brand new set of issues. Uh, this this set of issues uh, a little bit more important than some of the others because the director Rupert Wyatt is no longer involved with the film, citing scheduling issues. Um, definitely. A big, a, a big blow to the production of Gambit. Uh, he said that the delay of the film conflicted with another project that he was working on, and he is unable to direct the Gambit film. So as of right now, there is a, a scramble to find a brand new director to get the film out for its October 7th, 2016 date. I, I personally, and I've said this before, I don't need a Gambit movie. It's not necessary. Nobody gives a shit. He could just pop up in the X-Men and I'd be perfectly cool with it. But no, we're going to do a solo Gambit film. It's going to suck. Nobody gives a shit. You got a Cajun accent. You throw cards. That's it. You give Rogue blue balls. Wash, rinse, and repeat. No, I, nobody cares. I'm serious. If, if the film didn't get made, 
I wouldn't I wouldn't shed a tear because again, it's another one of those characters that you look at and you're like, really, this guy needs a movie? Are you serious? He doesn't. That's for damn sure. <sighs> another bit of what the fuck movie news, and this is probably going to raise a couple of eyebrows. I'm sure many of you know Liam Neeson and the Taken movies. We all know that he plays Brian Mills. He has a particular set of skills that makes him problematic for terrorists and guys who want to date his daughter. Well, it looks like they're going to take Brian Mills and bring him to the small screen by doing a prequel to the Taken series, which of course is going to follow Brian Mills as he is, as he acquires that particular set of skills. It looks like NBC is going to take over and really wants to get this on their probably fall schedule. As of right now, there is no timeline for the series, but it's definitely a series that wants to be done. They want to get Luke Besson involved as a producer. Of course, taken as a, as a series, you could probably do some interesting procedural stuff, but it's, it's, you know, it's crazy. Unless, unless you have something where like Liam Neeson is telling the narrating the stories and it's, and he's telling stories of when he was younger like, you could probably do something like that, and it would be interesting. But again, you're taking some of these properties, like Shooter. Shooter is another one. The the Mark Wahlberg film. That's being turned into a TV series as well, with Ryan Phillippe at the helm. I just... I We got either TV shows being turned into movies and, and being complete garbage, or movies being turned into TV shows and just sullying what, what, what the success of the movies. There's only been a couple of instances where movies have translated well to TV shows. I got to say the Dust Till Dawn TV series that the El Rey Network has, which is on Netflix, is surprisingly solid. I mean, they, they took some liberties. They changed a couple of things, but it's an enjoyable show. It has a nice amount of blood and gore, some, some really strong action. Is it expertly written and tremendous? No. But is it, you know, is it indicative of what you'd expect if you were watching the films? Absolutely. Not sure how that would work with Taken, as I said, eh, not 100% sold. Last bit of movie news to wrap things up, and this is, this is real crazy. They are allegedly working on doing a big screen version of Booster Gold and the Blue Beetle. Uh, not, sure, not sure how I feel about that. Allegedly, Arrow and Flash showrunner Greg Berlanti will produce the film and allegedly it may tie into the current DC Cinematic Universe. Uh, Blue Beetle and Booster Gold are such crazy, over-the-top, funny characters that while I, would, I wouldn't mind seeing them on the big screen, I feel that the way that they're portrayed and the way that they're written would be better suited for television than the big screen. I think that having Booster Gold and Blue Beetle interact with the Arrow, with Flash or with Supergirl would just work better. Or even with the legends of tomorrow, it would just be, it would fit. It would fit the overall, the overall direction of those two characters, putting those happy go lucky characters in the darker DC universe. Unless it's standalone and it's its own film, but you know, it's all going to tie together anyway. I'm a little concerned, not a hundred percent sure that I feel that would work, but Again, it's one of those things that it's another rumor that's that's floating around that I wanted to address just because I like Booster Gold, I like Blue Beetle, 
Do I need them to be on the big screen? Not in the least. Would I check it out if they were on television? Sure. But in any case, that is going to wrap it up for this week's entertainment segment. And it's also going to wrap it up for the show. So with that said, I've given you my take on gaming and entertainment. I'd love to hear yours. Feel free to hit us up on social media at my take radio or at rage underscore works. Feel free to join our Facebook fan page, facebook.com forward slash official RageWorks, And you can also join the RageWorks group and interact with our staff, our partners and fans that of the show readers of the site and just shoot the shit about everything, gaming, entertainment, MMA, uh, even some real world stuff that comes across our desks. But Nonetheless, that's how you can find us on social media. Archived episodes of this show will be available in audio format on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Video archives of the show will be available on our two YouTube channels, My Take Radio TV and Official RageWorks. We're also going to be uploading it to Daily Motion as well. For those of you that checked us out on Vaughn Live, Stream Up, Twitch, and YouTube Live, we appreciate it. Feel free to join us on mtrlive.com for future episodes and interact with myself, Slick, and the rest of the My Take Radio audience. With that, I will see you guys next Wednesday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific for our MMA and wrestling edition of MTR. Of course, we'll be talking about Night of Champions, Raw, and anything else that goes on in the worlds of MMA and wrestling. On behalf of myself, Slick and the rest of the MTR RageWorks crew. I will see you guys next week. Thanks for joining us, guys. Peace. Rich, bitch. <laughs> That's all, folks.